Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today? This is David Robert for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful and great day out there today. It is November the 22nd, I believe, 2022. And uh, we are barreling through the month of November. Man, it is, uh, we're getting close to a month before the big day, Christmas, right? I mean, it's crazy to think we're entering into another year. But uh, just want to let you know before we get started that you can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcast from Google Play, Stitcher to Podbean, you name it, we are there, rocking and rolling. So today, um, while I am here on the on the old bike working it out, thought I would um, share a couple of thoughts that have been running through my mind in regard to the Christmas holidays. And over the last few years, it's been very apparent that our society is inundated with stuff. And I want to backtrack a little bit and kind of say where I guess you could say this idea kind of kind of came from. I was um, watching a, a documentary special on Netflix a few years back, done by the gentlemen who are in charge of the Minimalist podcast, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. They were showcasing how we in the West do in probably within the last thirty years, even actually even we can even go as far as forty years has seen a rise in the big box stores such as Walmart, online shopping such as Amazon, and we've allowed ourselves to become full of, I mean, if we're going to be honest, we, we're just, we are, we are overloading with trinkets and tchotchkes and collectibles. And whereas you might think, well, Dave, you know, we're in a recession right now and there's inflation and all this stuff is going on and the, the cost of things are going up. But I would say that even though that's true, people are still buying like there's no tomorrow. And so what we're going to be chatting about is just how we've kind of gone from a society where we buy things that we needed to things that we think we need and where we can go from here. But the, the genesis of all this came from really watching The Minimalists and then kind of taking a look at my own life and realizing, my gosh, I'm, I'm part of the problem as well. Um, so back in the early 80s, um, when, I, you know, when I came around, we had stores like Zeller's and Kmart and Sears and stores that were not necessarily your big box stores you know, where you could get everything you needed, but at least you could get most of the stuff you wanted. Um, you had an electronic section, you had a kitchen area, you had a area where you could probably get like a lot of your toys and your gadgets and things of that nature, but nothing too crazy. Uh, Kmart was my mom's favorite store. Um, I remember growing up and it was right around the time when you could start getting cheaper, cheaper goods made in, in Asia, right? Um, Companies were starting to offshore a lot of their their work to um, to countries where they could get it done a lot cheaper, and so because of that, you saw 
this influx of electronics and, you know, toys and, and board games and just a plethora of stuff that was cheaply made. And so your average consumer here in Canada or in America or Australia or wherever could afford it. And for the first time in a long time, your average, average Joe could keep up with the Joneses, as it were, you know, prices were at a point where a person didn't have to be rich to afford a lot of stuff. And we've been going along that, 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 that process down that road ever since. And what it's led us to now is industries upon industries propping up just to support all of the stuff we have. Case in point, the U-Haul and storage business, which is at my last last checking was was um, I think on track to make close to you know almost one to two billion dollars in the U.S. and Canada alone, just based upon the fact that people need more room to store all of their stuff, all of their things, and the average average size of your homes have gone up. Heck, the average size of our cars have gone up. You know, um, just the ability to have enough stuff so you can, like, you know, have that shed, put it out back, and then have your extra storage and your closets. And God forbid we don't have just normal closets anymore. Now you need a walk-in closet. You know, you need uh, crooks, little little nooks and crannies to fill every little thing, every little space. And it now again, this is a woe is me. This is a first world kind of problem. Because in a lot of parts of the world, it'd be really nice to have a lot of things, which means that you, you know, have a lot of money to spend. But it's kind of the opposite here in Canada, because, and even in the U.S., because, because the prices are so low, people, it, it makes a lot of this stuff very disposable. And it also makes a lot of the stuff that we, bur- we purchase um, not very resellable. So let's take, for example, baby clothing, for, for, if you want. If you have a young child, a newborn, you bring them home, you'll pay a pretty penny for a new car seat and a uh, a stroller. You'll probably end up um, buying a bed and uh, a crib and, you know, um, what else? You got your... um, Hmm. You got your toys, you got your bassinet, you got your, your baby sort of bathtub because they're too small to fit in the tub. And so all of those things you might, you know, you might buy them new, but everything else is used. And so because the clothes are coming out cheap, not cheaply made, but they're made at such a discount after, you know, the secondhand market for this stuff, there's, there's almost no market for it. I recall getting a basket, like, I mean, a, a garbage bag full of clothes from friends, families, coworkers, and acquaintances who their children grow out of the clothes so quickly. They're just like, here, take them. You know, it's not worth the time and the effort to put them on Kijiji and try to sell it or, or eBay or wherever, because no one's going to buy it because the stuff is, you know, there's more coming down the pike, you know, and what you might pay for used stuff, you can almost buy it new. So most people are like, forget it. So you look at that, that prospect from when it comes to children. Then you look at children's clothing when they start school from shoes to books and bags to coats and, and everything else. And it's becoming very, very apparent that we're, we're kind of entering into a critical mass point, right? Because there's only so much space that you have in your, in your residence. There's only so much money you could spend on storage. And then we hit the point where 
how do we get to a place where we can actually be content? And so that's kind of what we're going to be chatting about today, along with the whole minimalist thing and where we are in society. So I, I want to start off by by um, by talking about something that I, I I was thinking about last year. I was driving along. I think I was going to pick up a pizza for the family uh, for dinner. And I, I saw a really nice car pull up next to me. And within the area I live in, there's an older gentleman. Uh, there's a couple older gentlemen, actually. But this one in particular, he was pushing a Bentley. And if you know anything about vehicles and cars, they, you know, Bentleys are very pricey. You know, they're not, uh, they're not your everyday, you know, um, you know, uh, car that you're taking to the grocery store. This, these are, you know, luxury vehicles that can run anywhere from two, three to 400. Some is upwards to $700,000 brand new. They're custom made. Every inch of the car is put together pretty much by hand. This isn't your factory assembled sort of Ford or Toyota. And the wait list can be pretty long. And even at a resale value, they, they still go for like 200, 200, 200K, 300 or so, depending on what condition they're in. And so I was driving... And I saw this gentleman pull up next to me and he drove off and I didn't get this tinge of anger or frustration. I got this feeling of, huh, what would my life be like right now if I, you know, had a Bentley? Like if I won the lottery and I could buy anything I wanted, would my life actually be better? You know, would my experience driving to get this pizza be any any more fun or enjoyable if I were pushing a Bentley Azor, a Lamborghini, you know, Rolls Royce, Phantom, a Wraith, any of the any number of these vehicles that I, you know, just rattled off could easily go in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. But the reality is, as Will Smith's dad told him before he went, um, the IRS went to collect on the money that he owed um, after his first album, you know, Will Smith had gotten into some tax trouble and had purchased, I think, like five luxury vehicles. And his dad said, why the heck you got five cars? You only got one butt, you know? And I always found that kind of funny. You know, so... The question I always ask myself when I find myself wanting or desiring or coveting what others have is asking myself, how would that benefit me? You know, would it make my life any better? You know, if I had the, the Rogue SLX whatever squat rack in my basement here, if I was riding on an air assault bike, like a brand name bike, would my workout be any different? Would it be any more, you know, impactful? You know, if the computer screen I'm staring at was like a 78-inch crystal LED, LG, whatever, you know, would my, I don't know, would my art or my podcast or whatever be any more, I don't know, any better? And so these are questions we have to ask ourselves because what we are faced with is an economy that is run on a spending money. It's not run on a saving. It's not... You know, it doesn't run on the fact that if we decide, hey, we don't want to purchase something, let us just fix what we have or, or you know, be satisfied or content. The mindset within every advertising, marketing, and uh, commercial enterprise out there when it comes to commerce, 
particularly within um, this time period from now until the end of this quarter, until this uh, financial quarter, is make that money, spend that money, take that money. It's kind of like Puff Daddy. Ain't no way you can take this from me. You know, like, right? It's, it's, we want to see what you're going to spend. All right? We want to see what you're going to spend. And if you, hey, you maxed out that credit card, don't worry. We'll approve you for another one. Don't have enough in the savings for that? Don't worry. You could pay later, right? We'll get you in 200, you know, 2045. Right, <laughs> and it's that it's that kind of mentality that's been running our our you know uh, our commerce, our marketplace for the last forty years. Spend, spend, spend. Buy, buy, buy. Improve, improve. Update. Ask yourself, what's the difference between the last, like the iPhone ten, and the new one that's come out? Better camera? Okay, I guess I could use that. You know, like. What's the difference between the new dumbbells that came out with Rogue, like Rogue put out versus the ones by Sornex or whoever? Like I always say, 45 pounds is 45 pounds is 45 pounds. Regardless of what you have in your hand, it's how you use it. It's how you, you know, it's, it's what you do with it. And so what I've, what I'm, uh, the second point I want to make is how can we challenge ourselves to not want to consume? you know, and to budget. Um, it's a very challenging thing because on the one hand you're told, Hey, you know what? If you're not keeping up with the Joneses, if you don't have the latest and the greatest and the newest and the most improved and the shiniest, you know, new car in, in, in the, uh, in the driveway, you know, you're, you're, you're slacking, baby. You're falling behind. I can't tell you how many trucks and newer vehicles I see around the area here where I'm, I'm just dropping my kids off to school or I'm going to pick up groceries. And you know for a fact that 90% of the people that are driving these cars, they don't own them. <coughs> Excuse me. They're making payments to the, to, the, um, to the car dealership. They're trying to live out a, an outward appearance of wealth and opulence that they don't actually have. All right? And so... In keeping up with, you know, quote unquote, the Joneses, how can you kind of stop? How can you kind of say, hey, you know what? I have what I have and, I, and I'm going to utilize it. And so one of the things I've been doing is I've been kind of, anytime I try to fantasize or if I try to put on some type of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll daydream for a little bit while I'm, say, cooking or doing whatever, I will, excuse me, I'll run through an exercise in my head that'll say, Okay, you know what? I'm going to fantasize about what I do have, not what I don't. And it's reason why I actually had to stop watching some of the YouTube channels and some of the um, some of the Instagram and Facebook accounts that I've been that I used to look at because what they would do is they would put into my head this ideal that well, what I have isn't good enough. So, in the fitness industry, which <clears throat> I'm a part of. You would look at the equipment. You know, equipment can cost thousands of dollars, regardless of what, you know, um, whoever made it. So let's talk about companies like Rogue or Alico or um, who else is out there? York Fitness. Um, 
Life Fitness, for example. You know, uh, a tread, an actual commercial grade treadmill could run you easily $5,000 to $6,000 brand new. A Concept 2 rower used on like on Facebook Marketplace could run you a thousand bucks. The resale value is amazing. Air Assault or um, Hammer Strength or any of these brands. Arsenal is another top-notch, you know, top-grade, high-caliber brand of fitness equipment that their pieces could run you like a squat rack or a bench press or a leg extension or a leg curl or a lat pull-down machine easily two to three thousand dollars. Like that's without shipping. That's without that's without paying the freight and the GST and everything else. You right? So you can look at a, a state-of-the-art gym. State of the art, and easily could, the equipment alone could run you 1.2, 2.5 million dollars, right? Because a, a one piece of equipment will run you like five grand. And so you'll you'll look at I'll watch these these channels, or I used to, of people like Brian Shaw and and um, Basement Brandon and you know Garage Gym Reviews, and I had to stop because it was creating in me this feeling of anger and frustration because what happens with your brain when you watch and you view and you consume and you digest and you download information that is constantly telling you what you have is not good enough what you are doesn't measure up right the things that you have that's 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 fugazi that's that's you know that's suspect like what do you what do you 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 know you're you're at the bottom of the barrel right you're scratching you're barely, you're barely getting by. And it creates this feeling of anger and resentment because you're like, man, I deserve that. I want that. I need that. And the truth of the matter is you really don't. This, I'm looking at my own basement gym, and because of the pandemic, it put a hold on a lot of my plans to, to start you know, a small gym or a small little collective out here. And so I've got a lot of equipment in my basement, more than I need, you know, I mean, basically, for most people, all you need is a good rack, a couple of plates, a barbell, piece of cardio equipment, some mats, you're good. You know, you don't, you don't need a lot. But the prevailing notion is, no, if you, if you don't have all of the, the bells and whistles and all the extra stuff, then you're lagging behind, you know? And so one of the things I've been, I've been doing, like I said, is having an exercise where I start to fantasize about what I have. I'll just start, man, I'm, I wish I had that Mac, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I do. Okay, awesome. There's no, dis, there's no, um, there's no gap between what I want and what I have. You know, when I'm meditating, I have this mantra that I'll repeat to myself. I have what I want and I want what I need. Or I want what I need and I have what I want. Now, let's be clear. That doesn't mean that if I were, let's say, hypothetically to win the lottery, I mean, I'd be balling out of control, obviously. There's certain things that you would want. But you, ask, you have to ask yourself, well, would you have the space for it? I, I recently have a, a really close friend that offered me a Bowflex machine. You know, one of those uh, the ones with the cables and everything. And I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. But I'm looking around. I don't have the room to put it. I don't have any place to... I, really, I legitimately don't have any space down here to put this thing and that's kind of depressing and that's not a humble brag or anything that's just that's just the truth like I legit don't have the space for it right and so 
when you're in that kind of, I want to say, attitude, mindset, whatever, the thought process that you need to have is if there's something you really, really need, and it's a life and death thing, like like food, shelter, clothing, transportation, or um, or telecommunications, or um, communication, or like you know, like for some people would say, well, the internet is not a need. Well, if it's part of your job and and that's how you get paid, then yes, it is a need, right? It is a necessity. If you don't have um, if you don't have transportation to get to your job, then a car or some form of a vehicle to, or a donkey, I don't care what it is to get you where you're trying to go, you need, you need that, right? So it's, it's, there's certain things, de- depending on what your circumstances in life are, is you're going to need it. But there's a lot of things that we just look on our Amazon, you know, um, cart, or that cart on um, Mountain Equipment Co-op, or... You know, for me, it's, you know, I'll check out all of the, the cool new collectibles that are coming out and stuff like that. And, and, um, but then I'll look at the stuff I got and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm fine. It scratches that itch for me. I don't need to have more than that. And I, I think it leads me to my other point, which is you have to know yourself and you have to realize what makes you happy and what actually gives you fulfillment. So for a lot of people, who might, let's say, have a have a distinction for rock climbing or swimming or mountain backpacking, horseback riding, um, what else, archery, you know, hunting, any of those activities. Well, then it would be nothing for you to put two, three, four, five thousand dollars down on a gun, right, or a hunting rifle or gear to go hunting. Um, if you are if your thing is uh, backpacking. There's nothing to purchase a mountain equipment co-op backpack for like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, right? Because that's your value. Um, that's where you put your value. That's where you put your the worth in. That's where you feel, okay, this is valuable to me because I have this, this is a value for me. This is something that's significant for me. I, I put a lot of, I have a lot of, I get, you could say pride, but you could also say just love for this, this activity. So purchasing skates or skis or, or uh, basketball equipment or tech, like, you know, um, a new PC or car or stuff. If you're a car guy or car girl, you know, or whatever, or if you're into sewing or knitting or cooking, any of these activities will have certain value points for them for various people. And then you might say, yeah, like, you know, it's nothing for somebody to spend inordinate amounts of money on activities that other people would be like, there's no way in hell I'm spending money on that. You kidding me? Like I, I for for I love drumming. Okay, I'm I'm a I am at best a journeyman drummer. Okay, I'm not I'm not professional by any means, but I, I have a skill set for it, and I, I'm I'm rel- I'm okay at it, and I, I like it. But for the last five years, I haven't been able to play unless I went to my dad's place, and he got rid of his drum kit. Which I'm kind of pissed about. Right? So, so now I got my congas, I got my djembes, and I could rock out on the buckets I got down here. But I just, I just don't have the funds right now to buy a full drum kit, which could easily go for like a thousand bucks. But if I had the spare money, I would, I'd buy it tomorrow. Why? Because that's a value point for me. Um, I've started doing some 
some work on my computer with video editing just to try to capture family memories and stuff, you know, because we take so many photos and videos. And so for me, I, you know, I've been looking up CPUs and, and um, Intel processing cores and, you know, and I've been looking up how to piece together my own PC that I could video edit stuff with. And I, I'd easily drop two, three thousand bucks on a, on a unit to, to secure those memories. That, that's a high value for me. Or comic books or, or anything like that. Now, there might be somebody else who might look at that and say, I, I hate technology. I have no use for it except for absolute necessity, you know. And when it comes to video and all that stuff, I let somebody else do that, right? They have no value for that. For somebody else, it could be movies or the experiences of travel, you know, or seeing, seeing the, the, the different areas of the world that, that are just amazing. And so everyone's going to have their, their, I guess you could say their value, right? And so you have to be aware of what is valuable to you. So that's kind of like my other point, which is kind of what... What's worth it to you? Who are you? Do you know yourself? And and then being honest and saying, okay, yeah, this is this is what I what I have is good enough. And I think that's another aspect of knowing yourself and asking yourself, look, like, yeah, it, it I could lift these weights with a with a, a pricier set of, of of weight plates or a pricier set of dumbbells, but would it change my workout? Right? Now, now, to be fair, there are some differences in quality when you look at certain, at certain, certain things. So let's take um, technology, for example. You're definitely going to get a better quality of picture, of clarity, of sound, if you spend a little bit more money on your processors and your, your cores and your video cards and your screen and just, yeah, I mean, with technology, you pay more, you're going to get more, right? So that, that's, that's one thing. Or when it comes to cooking, the quality of ingredients, you know, as far as organic and all that other stuff, you know. But, you know, will a meal taste any better if, let's say, you buy a, you know, a grade A cutting knife, right? The knife is doing the job, regardless of if it's a set that costs two, $3,000 or one that you bought at Canadian Tire. Right, so you have to realize there are various levels to this shit, as as Meek Mill once said, the wise prophet Meek Mill said, there are levels, and with the levels you have to realize, okay, who am I? What sort of person am I? What do I value? You know, and and I'm not doing this to keep up with the Joneses or to try and impress people. All right, and so yeah, that's I mean, it can it can feel. I'll be honest with you, like, it can feel very tempting to try and keep up with what everybody's doing, because nobody, nobody wants to feel like they're at the bottom of the barrel, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to feel like the car that they drive and, you know, what they have doesn't measure up. And I think, I think when you are in a position where you can get better, you, you want better. And there's, there's, um, there's an interesting study that I saw and I'll try to look it up here before I finish this podcast, but there was a discussion about poverty in particular within the last couple of years when it comes to just, I mean, COVID and inflation right now. And the cost of things is just insane. I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, some food that 
the price of you know fruit and vegetables have just have doubled really like you know in the summer you can get a bag of oranges for 3.99 that same bag of oranges is now 6.99 to almost 8 bucks so people are feeling the the pinch they're feeling the squeeze from everything from gas to food you name it right and one of the things that really hit me when i was listening to this study was how being in a certain socioeconomic class or just basically saying um, what sort of tax bracket you're in could really alter how you think about money in particular and what I mean by in particular and what I mean by that is your level of wants and needs and desires and expectations will go as far as your tax bracket and it's it's crazy. I use this analogy with my fish. The first fish I ever had, name, his name was Bones, and Bones was an algae eater, or a stone sucker, as they called him. And he would sit on the on the stone, and he would, you know, he would clean the the whole cage and stuff. And if a fish died, if you didn't get to that fish, he'd start eating it. So Bones was a survivor. And the crazy thing about those type of fish is that they are, they will grow to the size of their tank. They will grow to the, uh, uh, or they will grow to the size of whatever environment you put them in. So we had him in a in a fairly big tank and he grew to a pretty big size. And when he passed away, you know, he was he was a pretty big size, pretty big size fish. Now, if we had put him in an Olympic sized pool, he probably would have gotten to the size of a small car. You know, because they don't have, I don't believe they have any natural predators in some of the waters that they're in. So there's nothing really kind of stopping them from growing or stunting them, um, passing on their genetic line. So this fish is a great analogy for us when we, when we get into various financial and social circles. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when, when I heard that, that about, you know, the type of fish that I had, because it's true with us. We we can, if you make a certain amount of money, you realize, okay, this is the type of car I can drive. This is the kind of clothes I can wear. This is where I can eat. This is where I can go for holidays. This is where I can, you know, go to uh, to shop and things of that nature. And as you start to make a little bit more money, you know, get a little bit more influence, you might think, oh, okay, well, I can I can live here now. Oh, okay, I can I can buy this type of car. I can move up from. You know, an EV Ford to a Tesla. Maybe I can move from a Tesla to a, I don't know, to a hybrid Porsche or to a hybrid Lexus or whatever. You know, I could live in a, instead of a $400,000 home, I, okay, maybe I can, I could bump up to a 600. Oh, okay, I got a, instead of a single garage, I got a triple, you know, and I can, I can purchase a, a vacation home, maybe a vacation home and have it as a rental. Excuse me. I can now maybe afford my kid's college. So the point I'm getting at is that the levels you go up, the expectations and the entitlement tends to go up with that as well. And the sad part is when you've lived at a certain level for a certain period of time, you get used to that. You know, I, I heard once that you start, uh, it, was, it was pretty crude, but it was a line from a rap lyric that I heard that said, like, you start... You've been eating shit so long you start to enjoy the taste or whatever. You know, when it's kind of gross, but it's almost true. 
because you get used to like this is the type of car you drive and and so the danger with this whole you know um trying to beat the joneses you know or keeping up with the kardashians or whatever is that you're you're stuck in a space where you definitely you might try you're trying to level up you're trying to level up as everybody else is and the best way to do that is to fake it till you make it well the sad part about that is is that even though you're trying to shake off you know the poverty mindset you can't do it by just pretending that you have money there's no way for you to con your way out of a bad mindset when it comes to finance or when it comes to um you know spending and 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 those sort of things or saving or how you make your money or whatever the case is so i think for a lot of us we're kind of stuck in this this weird space because on the one hand you don't want to look like you're broke <laughs> you know and broke can take on different different meanings to different people you don't want to look like you don't have anything but on the other hand you don't want to stay in a mindset that perpetuates that you don't that, that perpetuates an attitude of not moving forward and not stretching beyond your means and so i think it's really interesting how we're we're kind of in our society we're kind of taught like two different or three different almost like you know different different aspects of how to survive in our society or how to make it look like you're surviving and it's tough you know we have instagram facebook twitter youtube twitch 24 hour news cycles we have um we have all of these different different ways that we could see how we're not doing well <laughs> you know we have all of these different areas that we could that could determine hey guess what you're broke hey guess what you you don't measure up you know and and especially now in the next couple of months if not a couple of years we're going to see a real downturn in our economy where people are going to have to tighten their belts and a lot of the things that they were used to excuse me aren't going to be there any aren't going to be there in, in as abundant abundance as it was before um so it's i think we got to in closing i think we got to be true to ourselves we can't allow what we're seeing out there to to cost us our peace of mind. I think we really have to get back to the mentality of okay, what do we actually have? What do we actually own? What is what do we have that is excuse me, valuable? Do we have a roof over our heads? Do we have food and shelter? Do we have clothing? You know, do you have a safe place to stay when, you know, when it gets dark? You know, are you are you in an area where there's where there's no gunshots ringing out, you know, where there's no crack vials on the floor where your kids can play. You know, and that's that's kind of where a lot of us need to start. And then you can move up from there. So if if you're starting off by saying, "Hey, you know what? I I may not have the newest Apple product, but the one I have works and it suits my needs." You know, I may not have um the best shoes but the ones i have are are they fit me and they're comfortable and they they serve their purpose my car may not be the best but the insurance is paid off and 
it runs and it needs some work, but it's it's still functioning. And we have to start with with where our blessings are, what we're thankful for, and then kind of go from there. And in the past, I used to be one of those people that used to say, oh, other people have it worse. But I don't say that anymore. And the reason being is because even though people, there are people that, yes, that have it worse, that doesn't help me, you know, with what I'm going through. The mindset that you need to have is how can I be thankful and grateful for what I have right now? So some of the things I'm going to be doing this Christmas is I've talked to my wife and I, I want, I don't want anything. I legitimately want nothing. Um... I'll make baked goods and food for people, gift them that. I'm going to do a photo album for the grandparents with the grandkids. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of kind of it. And I think if we, if we take this attitude of, of being actually content and grateful for what we have, outside of the things that we do, we need for life and death or that we need to maintain our quality of life. So I'm not saying be, be grateful that you don't have, like be thankful where you are. If you're living in your car, I'm, I'm, you know, I even if you are living in your car, at least you got a roof over your head. Right. But still fight to get a place to live, you know, and whether, wherever it is, it's safe and it's warm and it's, it's, it suits your needs. It may not be the greatest, but it's, it's working for you. And, but you'll never see advertisements like that because they want us to spend money. But I'm, I'm definitely of the mindset, particularly when it comes to uh, commerce and spending, that we definitely have to be thankful and appreciative. And if we're not, you know, I, I think they've got us. I think that we are only going to be a victim. That when we look on the various screens and the, you know, the various apps out there, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be jealous. We're gonna be upset. We're gonna be looking at things that we don't have and wishing that we could we could have them. And it's a very, it's a frightening place to be. I'm not going to lie. It's, um, it's a frightening place to be when, when you can only see what you don't have. And you can't take any, any joy in the little things. You know, the joy of, of playing with your healthy child. You know, the joy of actually getting up on your own power to walk to the bathroom. You know how many people can't do that, you know, or be able to see or to hear or to live in a safe place. Like those are the things that we have to really take into account, you know? And so, so yeah, um, like I said, again, these are all things that humanity has been going through for eons. And obviously my podcast, excuse me. It's not going to solve it anytime soon, but it's it's good to get the thoughts rolling, you know, get the get the ideas, get the juices flowing, and hopefully, hopefully this finds you in a in a good place. So, until next time, 
You can find the Marketplace of Ideas podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, you name it, we are there. But until next time, take care. Be good to one another out there. We'll talk to you later. Peace.